Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Welcome back to the Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And with you, as always, is the show's producer, Tony Palacio. How are you doing today, bro? I'm blessed in the Lord and praying for Joe. He got a little sick yesterday, yeah. so. Yeah, amen, amen. Yeah, Bearing he, the lead that he's not here. <laughs> yeah, bearing that lead. Yeah, no, he, uh, yeah, nothing nothing too big. You guys, uh, thank you so much for the prayers so far. Uh, last update I had, which, you know, wasn't too long ago. Uh, told me that he's still out of AFib. So uh, I'll, I'll give a little bit of a recap since we mm-hmm. might as well. It's a Monday, yeah. Monday show. Um, when it comes to the surgery that he had, the ablation, and, and I'm, I'm not an expert here. This is this is a translation from the doctor to Joe, to Lisa, to me. So, you know, let's hope for the best. Playing telephone here. Um, yeah, yeah, amen. Amen. I did. I was trying to be a nurse at one point, but God called me out of that. Praise God. But that, that was about as close as I got. I did some CNA work. But nonetheless... One of the things that took place um, uh, during the the surgery, the ablation, is you know his heart's in AFib, so it's it's out of sync, so to speak, and it has like certain pathways that it's going down. And basically, and and this is like I said, a horrible translation, I'm sure, of what's going on is they stop it from going in the incorrect pathway to get the blood flowing in the right direction. And what happens, though, after the ablation is a lot of times it will force itself back into that pathway that it had been going in. And for Joe, he was an AFib for eight months. That's a really long time. But uh, they believe because his heart started to strengthen a lot towards the end. I mean, when he went in the one time, he was at 35%, and then he was almost at full strength uh, the next time uh, before he had the surgery. So basically, it's not an AFib. He's on the right path, but it could jump back into it. But they said even if it does, actually, the second surgery, if they went in, would um, be you know almost 100%, right, uh, percentile yep. uh, of working. The first one's, I guess, 50-50. So if that one takes, then you're yeah, and better took, chances yeah. on the second one. Yeah, amen. If it's needed. So that's awesome. And so he was feeling really good. I went to his house. I came here um, to get some work done the other day with Tony and— I was like, wow, he looked great. Mm-hmm. You know, he was he was looking great. And then he was looking great the other day. And then he we got a text late last night. Hey, you know, I got a hundred, you know, one fever, so I'm uh, not gonna make it in. So so that's fine. We don't we don't have him here, but uh, you know, hopefully, you know, he'll keep getting better. And it's been nice having him back. It's a lot less work, I know, for Tony and I. So <laughs> when he's here, so nonetheless, uh, we're the gonna scramble t- to get some shows together. Yes, 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 we did, Tony, and and we have done that for you guys, and hopefully you will be blessed by them. So we're going to get right into it today because we're going to be talking about a subject that, ah, man, it can get on our hearts. It's something that could bother us, and and, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about this with Tony because I had seen this trending on Twitter. Now, a lot of times I'll go on, and as long as it's not inappropriate, I'll see... What are people talking about, you know, on Twitter? It could be AOC lied. I don't know if you saw that, <laughs> that Tony. N- that never happens. Yeah, said she was, you know, made this whole live video about how she was in the Capitol building and so forth. But they find <laughs> out she's like a 10-minute walk away from where anything happened. But nonetheless, you know, that was trending. Um, and then 
we look and and I and I, I'll see some other things, you know, whatever it is. And as long as it's not inappropriate, I'll check it out and see what people are talking about to make sure I'm up on what's going on. And I noticed, you know, and I think there's almost like 30 different trends that I see when I when I go to look at it. And I notice that trending was like 18 or 20, I think it was 23 of the 30 trend trending topics were all celebrity names. And they're all celebrity names of people that have died recently, more recently. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. Why is that trending? And this happens all the time if you guys uh, are accustomed to Twitter at all, which I don't uh, tell anyone to get accustomed to Twitter. Uh, but nonetheless, is something that happens that somebody will ask a question and for some reason it just happens to go viral and people just keep... Uh, answering it. And a lot of people get into it. So on Twitter, the question was asked, it said, what death of a famous person hit you the hardest? Specifically, someone you had no real relationship or even adjacency to, but whose passing wrecked you in a real way. And so there were a number of people. That's why so many different celebrities were trending because they had passed away and people were affected and they told those stories. And because those, I'm just going to read a few just so you guys get an idea of some of the people that were trending. Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Cameron Boyce, Chester Bennington, Chris Cornell, Anthony Bourdain, Carrie Fisher, Steve Irwin, Paul Walker, Kobe Bryant. There was a, like I said, there was a number of celebrities that were trending. Now, I will tell you the first time I remember that a quote-unquote celebrity had passed away, and I thought, wow, that's pretty crazy. Everyone's talking about it. And I know for me as a young kid, it was Princess Diana, right, with mm. uh, with Jodie Fayette. Fayette. I think it was Jodie Fayette, right, and he crashed the car. And I was young at that time. But I remember seeing my mom cry, you know, at, when they did the funeral, you know, and everything. But I had no relationship to it, and I wasn't old enough to, you know, honestly care that much. I just was like, wow, it's weird that my mom is sad about this, you know, but it was like a big famous thing that took place. But Tony, what about for you? Was there any, you know, celebrity? I know you're not into celebrities, yeah. and we're not we're not here, but it is something, it's a reality that people are very, very into these things, so we want to yeah, talk you, about it. we were talking about this earlier when you brought up the subject of the show, and I honestly, I started thinking, and I honestly just draw a blank, because you're right, I'm I don't look at celebrities that way. You know, the the yeah. first death that I always comes to my mind is Jesus. You yeah. know, that it hit me it hits me in a hard way for a totally different reason. That that's the only death that I think should matter because it affects our salvation. He died for us, you know. Yeah. So celebrities dying, I mean, I guess I just don't have that much of a vested interest in whatever celebrity it is to to be affected that much. If to in my mind if you're engrossed that far into celebrity life, then I'm wondering how that's possibly taking away from your walk with the Lord. And if it hits you that hard, especially when you don't know these people at all, like why does it hit you so hard? How entrenched were you in this, in this per celebrity's life that it would hit you that hard? Yeah. I mean, it's always sad. Yeah. Because we grow up with people, we see them on TV or uh, musicians or artists that we listen to, you know, what, Christian artists or whatnot, and and you have that sort of bond with them because you either watch their shows, you watch the sports, you listen to their music, and then they pass. That can be heavy in a certain way, but some people just fall apart. I yeah. mean, they literally fall apart. And so that, that's what I'm referring to, the ones who, like they can't even get out of bed, some of these people. They're yeah. just, they're so depressed. So those, that's the time when I'm like, wow, you know, if, 
especially when there's Christians like that, I, I wonder like, wow, that maybe it's time to check, you know, how much you're getting involved in some of this celebrity because it can, it can detract from your walk with the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really interesting because, you know, something about celebritism and, and so to speak, and for me, it was usually sports stars, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, I, especially as a kid, I was so into baseball, man. I mean, football and, and basketball for sure. But for baseball, like I thought I was going to be a major league baseball player growing up. Like I had all these things memorized and stuff. And I remember the first time I had like the major disappointment of going and meeting your your favorite player. And it was Mike Piazza was the mm. Dodgers catcher. And I thought, oh, this would be so cool. I would love to meet uh, Mike Piazza. And I was like right next to him, like Mike, Mike, Mike. And he paid no, I mean, I was, man, this was 90 Let's see. He, I think he won the Rookie of the Year around '93 or '94. I think uh, Eric Karras won it in '92. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get it all in my head right here. You know, so I'm maybe five, six years old. You know, seven, eight, whatever. And I remember him paying no attention. I'm like Mike, Mike. You know, trying to get his attention. And then a, a young lady came uh, that was probably 19 or 20, and she got his attention right away. And I remember <laughs> just being so disappointed. You know, like why wouldn't he just sign my thing? You know. And uh, yeah, I think he, I think there were some numbers exchanged and whatnot. And I just thought, wow, I remember that was my first, you know, the big disappointment, so to speak, uh, you know, and then you had other, other people that you, you like, and then they get DUIs and you're disappointed in them, you know? And it's so interesting as, as you were, as you were mentioning, like, it's really, really interesting that people, you know, you get so enamored by this and mm-hmm. I've read article after article. Cause I've always wondered that, like, why? Do celebrity deaths affect us so much that people, like you said, can't get out of bed? Yeah. Now, when I uh, think it's, I think it's the uh, you have this social media internet world that we live in now, and I think it's because because of that, people feel way closer to these celebrities because they can see them on a daily basis. And it's not always just on the TV or the radio. Now that, you know, they got YouTube and the Instagram and everybody's following everybody. So you, I would imagine a lot of people feel like they they do have this sort of personal connection with them now. Whereas, and I'm going to show my age now, but when I was growing up, none of that was there. Right. We, I mean, we didn't have any of that. So you didn't have that, that personal connection. And, and I think that drives that as well. Yeah, I think yeah, the Twitter and the and Instagram and stuff, and you think that they're talking to you, mm-hmm. you know, so to speak, and you you do develop these you know these feelings towards that person, and a lot of it also. When I was looking at some of the reasons that people were saying psychologists, I'm not really into psychologists and stuff, but I was trying to figure out from a secular point of view because I kind of have a good idea scripturally. I believe it's because of idolatry, mm-hmm. and and when it yeah. comes to, when it, it comes to idolatry, and the fact is is that you look up to these people. That's why they have the American Idol, right? That was one of the biggest shows mm-hmm. in in for a long. time time, right? And it and it's true. We look up to them as our idols and icons. I don't want to say we as believers, we shouldn't at least. And we need to be iconoclastic. We need to break down the icons, you know, and say, no, 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 no. And and the fact is you're not doing them any benefit. You're not helping them at all. They they need Jesus. They need Amen, prayer. Yeah. And so when you see these celebrities, it should be something that that makes you pray for them. I know I, when Kobe Bryant passed away, and I'll tell you this, this is from my own doing and thinking. When it comes to sports, some of it was obviously idolatrous as, as you know, as I, as I got a little older, but 
you know, a lot of the times when I look back at those, those are the times where it's not like me doing the wicked thing that I was all, you know, getting drunk and doing all these things. Like sports was like me hanging out with my family watching a game. So I look back at that in times where it was not something that was wicked and evil that I did because there were so many things that when I think about my past, I, I, I praise God that Jesus died for me. And I also remember how wicked and evil I was. And that's a reality that sets in when you think about that. But I don't get that all the time when I'm thinking about sports. And I remember with, when Kobe Bryant died, I was at Eli, my uh, my oldest, his baseball game. And I'm watching his baseball game and, and I see it. It comes up on my phone and I'm like, whoa, you know, it just hit me like a ton of bricks because I'm like, he's not that much older than me in all honesty. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got like seven or eight years on me. And, and I'm like, I remember for my birthday, going to the card shop and getting his rookie card because I saw him dunk from the free throw line in the preseason. <laughs> so I'm like, dude, I, you know, I love, I, I loved this guy, um, you know, 18 years old, you know, and then I watched him grow up and I remember like after I became a believer, I'm like, dude, he cusses a lot. I don't, I'm not really into that. And, you know, I, I remember then going forward, he claimed to be a Catholic and, and so forth. He had done uh, the stuff in Aurora, Colorado when I was younger with a woman that was mm-hmm. not his wife. Then he said, I committed adultery and all that stuff. And then became a pretty, you know, most people thought he was a pretty good father overall, you know, to his daughters and was seen at, at games and all this stuff. But then you find, you see some of the books he writes and they're like wicked and witchcraft and wizardry. And I'm like, oh man, a lot of the stuff that he would say, very new agey, his logo. I know the whole black mamba, mm-hmm. not that, you know, because you're involved in mistake, but I just remember like, remorse after that, like thinking, wow, what a waste, you know? Uh, and I think about that a lot, you know, when it comes to people's life, whether it's, it's Kobe Bryant or, or anyone else, like what a, what a waste to not live it for, for Christ. Not just those, we can go into the not being saved. That's, that's, that's entirely different, but having all of these things that, that, you know, some of it is demonic activity, right? Some of the actors and so so forth that we've already mentioned. Um, you know, you think of Heath Ledger, mm-hmm. right? And the demonic activity going on with the Joker, even being warned about when it came to from Jack Nicholson, yeah. who had played that that role, right? And Robin Williams was one of the people uh, I was reading from this the article that Joe wrote. And this one probably got us some of the most flack we've gotten on uh, Good Fight Ministries since I've been on at the ministry. It's called Robin Williams, The Sad Truth the Media Won't Tell You. It has to do with him committing suicide. And he talks about and, – and Joe talks about this guy was, was enamored. He had demons, man. I mean he was very, very clear about that. Um, in terms mm-hmm. of the demonic activity. And when Joe goes through the article, he talks about other comedians as well that had these demons. And I remember looking at Jim Carrey and watching a, a documentary on him as well. And when he did his whole quote-unquote method acting, and over and over again they talk about how he became Andy Kaufman. Yeah. And dude, I'm telling you, that was demonic. And that dude is demonic, <laughs> okay? And this stuff is serious. And... When it talks about when he was talking about Heath Ledger in that same article, and you guys can check it out on goodfight.org, I'll have Tony put the link here. He talks about when it came to Heath Ledger portraying, and remember, Heath Ledger is another guy who died, right? Um, a drug overdose. Uh, and this is what this is what he said. Heath Ledger's life ended prematurely not long after he accepted the evil role of the Joker in The Dark Knight. While Ledger's depression began after starring in the gay promotional film. Uh, broke back mountain after his death headlines from australia's herald sun like quote tragic death heath ledger battled his demons 
and the star stating, quote, if it was personal demons that conspired to destroy Heath Ledger, they were already making their presence felt many years before, underscored the fact that Ledger was dealing with some dark forces. Ledger said of the Joker character that he would betray in The Dark Knight, quote, he's a psychopathic, mass-murdering, schizophrenic clown with zero empathy, end quote. However, to properly play the role to his satisfaction, Ledger would open himself up to evil spirits and even less uh, with even less empathy. Well, said Jack Nicholson, who had also played the role of the Joker, I warned him. Dude, like, kid, think about that. <laughs> think about those words. Think about that. Where you put yourself in and you try to become these, these wicked people. And people don't realize the manifestations of this and the opening up. Uh, to the demonic activity. And the fact is, is a lot of them, as Joe goes over in this article, and I encourage you guys to check it out, a lot of them um, will say that they would drink and use alcohol to numb or, or to silence the voices in their heads. I mean, this is this stuff's no joke, man. We look at this and we, re we need to recognize this spiritual warfare is serious. In that same article, he talks about how Ozzy Osbourne, even a minute, I've got many, many demons that affect me on many, many levels. And he said, I remember sitting through The Exorcist a dozen times saying to myself, yeah, I can relate to that. The Exorcist. Mm. Okay. This is, this is no joke, guys. The spiritual world is real. We, we need to recognize these things. And we also need to recognize, hey, let's not get celebrities in this place in our hearts and in our minds, where, as Tony said, they will leave you laying down on the bed, right? Just done for the day because you were so brokenhearted. Be brokenhearted that they did not live a life that knew Christ. Yeah. That should break That should break our hearts. I remember well, I, I did have, um, I, it took me about a week, and usually I write articles fairly quickly. But this one took me about a week because I was working on it on a number of different um, grunge rock, you know, artists. And actually I was writing the article on Chris Cornell and I was writing it on Seattle and all these different, you know, these bands in Seattle and, and you see just Satan's thread in Seattle is what the original article was called. And before I finished the article, Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park killed himself. And the article is on goodfight.org. You can see it. it's called Chester Bennington, Stardom and Suicide. And Chester Bennington had killed himself. And guys, this is something that happens all the time. It happened with Michael Jackson and Prince and Chester Bennington and Chris Cornell. Over and over again, you hear of a celebrity that killed themselves or died and so, so forth. And then people come out of the woodwork, Christians who I love, that are a part of, hey man, we got to expose the wickedness going on in Hollywood. And they're like, well, they were just about to tell everyone about the sex trafficking, or they were just about to do this, or it was Sony, or it was this. And they were all just... And, 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 and instead of just saying this was a wicked person who did drugs or this was a wicked person who was living in their sin mm -hmm. and, and this was a wicked person who Satan had, had taken over, instead of just recognizing what the truth and the reality of it is, we try to make up stories around it. Yeah, we're, when really we should be thinking about the scripture that says we're not promised tomorrow. You know, today is the day of salvation. Yeah. You know, somebody like Kobe Bryant, he didn't know he was going to go down in that helicopter. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't have another day. And that's that should be part of the things that we're thinking about as Christians in motivating us to be the salt and light and share the gospel because we're not promised tomorrow. Nobody's promised tomorrow. All these people that died were not 
promise the next day and they didn't get a chance to repent and turn to the Lord. And that's important. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I think that that summarizes a lot of what uh, should be talked about here. And, you know, I, I had told this to my discipleship group and I said, because uh, we did a, that was Sunday, Monday, I had a, my discipleship group over and we were talking about sharing the gospel. And I said, hey, if if I would have found out, you know, the day before, right, that Kobe Bryant's, you know, helicopter was definitely going to go down the next day. Like I knew f- full well that thing was going down. I would do anything to mm-hmm. get that message to him. I don't care if I got arrested. I would make sure he had the message so that he didn't die. Mm-hmm. And the fact is we, we have a message. Have like a that. message. And guess what? We also have been warned that every single person has an end date. Mm-hmm. Every single person has an end date. And we have the warning. We will not get touched by the second death. We know full well that we can trust that that we will be resurrected because we know for a fact that Jesus resurrected. Just remember that when we think about the 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 gospel text of 1 Corinthians 15. All right. If anyone says what's the gospel, go to 1 Corinthians 15, at least read the first four verses. Okay. That'll get you the gospel message, it'll get you started. All right. So we have that. But what Paul builds up in 1 Corinthians 15 is this idea that that resurrection that took place, not only did it happen in in front of the apostles, right? He talks about Cephas, Peter. He talks about James. He talks about the apostles. He talks about him coming and seeing him seeing him on Emmaus as well. I'm sorry, the road to Damascus. (laughs) Um, And I was like, not only this, but then he weighs everything in the balance, not only the 500 in Corinth and so forth. He weighs everything in the balance, all of the preaching, all of the faith, all of the resurrection, the fact that we will be resurrected. He lays it all at the fact that Jesus died and rose again on the third day in public, not in private, not a secret. You know, this guy told me if you read through these goggles and read, you know, these Egyptian hieroglyphics, but then the goggles get broken. So you read the top of a rock. No, that's not what went on. Okay, we have literally the God of the universe stepped into time, space, and matter in the person of Jesus Christ and didn't just simply, you have to trust me. He went, he he could have just said that, right? I mean, honestly, you should trust me. I walk on water. You should trust me. I can feed the 5,000 with as much food that fits into a lunchbox, okay? Like over and over again, he does this, but then he's like, and I'm going to do something even more. I'm going to show you that not even death can hold me down. And so we have that trust. And because we have that trust, we can share that to the world. And we're we're thinking about death and and celebrity. When we think about death, we should think about hope. It's entirely different Mm -hmm. than what the world thinks. It's entirely different. And I'm just thinking about John 11. It's one of my favorite passages here. And I remember listening to Gary Habermas speak. And Gary Habermas is considered the foremost apologists, I guess, one of the foremost apologists on the resurrection. And this is what Jesus says. And he said these words, he says, what does the resurrection mean to you? And to Gary Habermas personally, because the resurrection obviously means justification of our salvation and so forth, right? The justification of our faith, everything, right? We, we hinge our preaching, our teaching, everything on the fact that Jesus didn't just tell us what heaven was like, didn't tell us 
also what hell was like, didn't just tell us what the afterlife as a whole is like, what this world is like and how we should follow, but then also said, I'm going to prove it to you by going there and coming back. All right. But he said these words. And remember, if you go to uh, John chapter 11, this is uh, the Lazarus right text. But later is something that I want you to read. I'll start at 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about 15 stadia away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. So then Martha, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise from the dead. Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. She has some good theology there, right? Mm -hmm. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even if he dies. Guys, that is it. That's it right there. Those words of our risen king, that's it right there. That's what we get to hold on to. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even if he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I've come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, and he who comes into the world. When she said this, she left and called Mary her sister, saying secretly, the teacher is here and he is calling for you. And when she heard this, she got up quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still at the place where Mar Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and were consoling her, when they saw that Mary had gotten up quickly and left, they followed her, thinking that she was going to the tomb to weep there. So then Mary came to the place where Jesus was. She saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could this man who opened the eyes of the man who was blind not also have kept this man from dying? So Jesus, again being deeply moved, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for it's been he's been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say that you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, but I knew that you always hear me. Nevertheless, because of the people standing around, I said it, so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And came out the man who had died, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. He literally, like, looked like a mummy. And, you, know, <laughs> you know, like, just like cloth. You think about that, like, the, the end of the movies. Right. Like, obviously, he wasn't a, a mummy. But I think one of the more profound things there is when he's talking to his sisters. And if they believe in him, they won't have a problem with death. When it comes to us as believers, we recognize that when we die, when this body, 
when this when our hearts die, our souls go to be with the Lord. To be absent body is to be present with the Lord. And so we get to have this hope. But you have people wrecked and sad about these celebrities that they don't know. And yet we have the antidote for the problem here. I am sad that these people die without Christ. Mm-hmm. It does break my heart. I'm not I'm not even gonna I'm not gonna act whatsoever like it doesn't make me sad. When somebody passes away without the Lord, it is a devastating thing to me. It breaks my heart. And I don't know how many of you, but I know I myself have cried in my bed thinking of people specifically that have turned from the Lord after knowing him. And I've cried and weep, God, I want to see them come back to know you. But we need to be weeping for the loss. We need to do whatever we can, crawl over broken glass so that all of these things, so that we can have the joy that I just recently got to have with my great-grandmother being at her funeral, knowing exactly that she was absent from that body that was next to me in the casket while I preached. Because why? She was present with the Lord. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.